We are in week two of a new series that we started called The Holy Spirit, okay? And uh, I want to encourage you. There we go. Um, I, I want to strongly encourage you, if you weren't here last week, um, to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, it's um, it's going to help you, okay? Go back and listen to it with your folks. Listen to it with a friend or two and talk about it. How many of you that were here last week ended up going back and listening to it? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, well, hey, all right. Thanks, Alex. Good job. Um, you, you're not graded or anything, okay? But listen, the more you, the more you dig into this, the more you listen and, 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 uh, and work through this, the better you're going to understand it, okay? Um, and I'm going to keep challenging you to go back uh, not only to, to go back and listen to the podcast, but more importantly, I want you to get into the habit uh, of going back and, and rereading the scripture passages that we're talking about, okay? Um, and, and examine them to see if what I'm saying here on Wednesday night is, uh, lines up with what God says in his word, okay? I want you to follow the example of the Bereans. In, in Acts 17, 11, it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness. Okay, I know all of you guys are just like hanging on every word I say, right? Um, or not listening to any of it. Hi, I'm Eric. I'm your pastor. Okay, like three of you are listening. Awesome. Okay, so it says they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Uh, even the Apostle Paul, even his words needed to be checked to make sure that they lined up with the Scriptures, which back then uh, was not the Bible that we have. It, it was the, mostly the Old Testament, the, the first uh, five books that Moses wrote and, and the prophets and things like that. Okay? They didn't have the New Testament yet because it wasn't written yet. And so the words that Paul was saying, the words that we now have of Paul, uh, they had to test to see uh, if, if they were true to Scripture. And now we know that the words that Paul says in his letters that make up most of the New Testament are true to uh, Scripture because uh, it's, in the, it's in the Word of God, okay? It's in the Bible. And, um, and we know that Paul, uh, we know that they're true because it's not the words of Paul. They don't just come from uh, man. They're, they are um, what 2 Timothy 3.16 says is, is God-breathed, okay? They're inspired by the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're His words, coming through Paul and not just Paul's words. Um, and so uh, the point is this, okay? Scripture. Everybody say scripture. scripture. Scripture is the final authority, not man. Scripture is the final authority, not man, okay? And, and so um, uh, I don't want you to just simply come and listen and take my word for it. Now, I'm not going to try and lead you astray. I'm not going to purposely tell you anything that, that uh, it is not uh, lining up with God's word. But again, I'm just a man. And, and I, want you to, um, I want you to own your faith. I want you to dig in. And I want you to, to hear from God himself, okay? Uh, let me put it this way. If you really wanted to get to know me, would you, would you go to uh, all the hype leaders and ask them about me? Or would you come to me and talk to me and have me tell you about myself? Huh? Ask me, right? You'd come to me. He's like, hey, uh, tell me about you. Where, where you. where'd you grow up? Where, where are you from? All that kind of stuff, okay? Um, doesn't it make sense then 
that if we want to know about the Holy Spirit, we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit, doesn't it make sense that, that even more sense, in fact, that, that if we want to know uh, the Holy Spirit, that, uh, that instead of just simply having me describe him to you, that you would go and that you would uh, hear who the Holy Spirit is from the Holy Spirit himself, right? Okay? He, he's, he's given us his word. He's, to, he's told us about himself, and, and it's all right here, all right? This is the, the word of God. And last week, we talked about the Trinity, okay? And we're going to do a, a quick recap about the Trinity, just in case you weren't here, just so you can kind of uh, get on page a little bit with where we're at. Um, and again, I want to encourage you, if, if none of it makes sense yet, to go back and listen to that podcast. Um, but last week we talked about the, who the Holy Spirit is, and, and in order to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we need to have a, a basic understanding, a general understanding of uh, what the Holy Trinity is. And, and again, the Trinity is something that we're not going to totally be able to comprehend because our, of our human finite minds. But there are a few things that we can understand about it. There's a few truths that we can understand about the, the Trinity. And, and so who can tell me the three truths that we talked about last week? Anybody? What's the first one? Yeah, Tito. There's only one God. That is one of them. Yep. What else? Remember? Okay. They are all equally God. Who? Who are? Right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God exists eternally in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And all three persons are equally and fully God. And there is one God. Okay? Now, when we try and grab a hold of all three of those things at the same time, it doesn't make sense exactly. But we can, we, uh, last week we, we went through... And we saw scripture, okay, scripture is the final authority, remember? We, we saw scriptural evidence and proof of each one of those truths being true. And so somehow uh, in God's infinite wisdom, all, he makes all three of those things true at one time, even though they don't make total and complete sense to us. But God exists eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each pers- and each person is fully God, and there is one God, okay? Okay. Um, and if you, don't, if you still don't get it, go back and listen to the podcast. If you don't know where the podcast is, it's on our website, crosspointcc.org. Um, and and I'll, I'll put a link up on the Facebook page. But I also send out a link to the podcast every week to your parents. And so uh, go home and ask your parents if they get the podcast and if they're listening to it or not. And if they're, Because uh, I, I tell them to invite you into that and listen to it with you and talk about it with you. Uh, and so if they're not doing that, if they're not getting the email... Let me know or have them let me or Krista know and, and we'll get them set up. But I want to encourage you guys to, to invite your parents into this and enter into that to learn more about this, okay? If you're a believer in here, um, it's so important that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. It's so important that we understand. We don't have just a relationship with God the Father or just a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they are all equally and fully God, we have a relationship with all three of the distinct persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so if we don't understand or know who the Holy Spirit is, if we don't uh, uh, take time to get to know Him and understand 
uh, who he is and, and how uh, that relationship looks between us and him, then we're neglecting a part of the Trinity. And we're not getting the full picture of who God is. So, just real quick, kind of breaking these truths down. Truth number one, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All over Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed together as distinct persons of the Trinity. This means that the Father is not the Son, nor is the Father the Holy Spirit. This means that the Son is not the Father, nor is the Son the Holy Spirit. And that means that the Holy Spirit is not the Father, nor is the Holy Spirit the Son. Okay, They're three distinct persons. Truth number two, each person is fully God. This means that God the Father is fully God, that God the Son is fully God, and that God the Holy Spirit is fully God. Scriptural proof of this truth is also uh, uh, all over the place, and you can go back again, like I said, and listen to the podcast from last week if you want to know more. Uh, and so, uh, and then the, the truth number three, there is one God. And, and this is abundantly clear in Scripture that there is one and only one God. And even though God is three persons, there are not three gods. Now, I want to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit this week. And so we're going to spend uh, more time. We're not, we're not going to spend any more time focusing on the Trinity. I don't want to, I don't want to just give the same message that we, we talked about last week, okay? Um, that's why we have the podcast, partly. And, uh, uh, but it's definitely something, this this. this this, the Trinity is something that, that we need to be continually talking about. It's something that we need to continually have in front of us and understand the complexity of God. And, and um, it helps keep the perspective that God is God and we're not. Okay, we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, but for the sake of time tonight, we're just going to move on a little bit uh, from the Trinity. And we're going to talk about... Um, the importance of the Holy Spirit, okay? Tonight's message is, is called The Benefit of, of Jesus Leaving. And, and if, so if you have your Bibles, um, open them up to, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. If you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to keep bringing your Bibles every week, okay? We're going to get into the Bible every week. Remember, Scripture is the authority, not man. And so we want to go to the highest authority, and that's, uh, that means that we're going to get into the Bible. We're going to read the Bible, and we're going to talk about it, Okay? We're going to look at verses 15 through 27, John chapter 14, 15 through 27. But before I do, I want to, I want to kind of help set the stage uh, of what's taking place here, what we're about to read. <coughs> Excuse me. So I want you to close your eyes for a minute, okay? And I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you are one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You've given up your job and you've left your family to follow him. Uh, you, you've, you've been with Jesus night and day for uh, the last couple years. You've seen firsthand the magnitude of um, his power over disease and death by, uh, by watching him heal the sick and raise the dead back to life. You were an eyewitness to his power over nature when you saw him speak to the, the raging wind and the crashing waves, and suddenly everything became calm. You watched him do miracle after miracle, and, and you heard him speak with authority that can only come from God himself. Are you starting to get that picture in your mind? Okay. You're, you're back there with Jesus. You've spent time with him, uh, considerable time with him. You feel like you've gotten to know him because he's, he's shared intimate things uh, with you about who he is. Now, imagine that lately Jesus has been talking uh, mostly about leaving. And, and he's even talking about having to die 
Remember that, that you're one of the 12 disciples, okay? Pre- pretend for a minute that you don't have the gospel accounts in front of you. Pretend for a minute that you don't have the New Testament like we, like we do now because they haven't been written yet. Uh, don't imagine this scene from your current perspective here in the 21st century. Put yourself in their shoes, okay, or their sandals, uh, and, and try to see things as they're unfolding in front of you. You've spent all this time with this man named Jesus, okay? You don't know why Jesus is talking about having to die. You believe that he's the promised Messiah. You know about the Messiah, and yet uh, you're still under the impression that that he's going to become an earthly king to establish an earthly kingdom and to bring freedom to you and your people and, and peace, okay? But you don't know why he's talking about leaving. You don't know why he's talking about his need to die. And with that in mind, then, picture your, yourself reclining at a table in a small upstairs room with Jesus and the other disciples. You just finished the Passover meal together, and he grabs a towel and a bowl of water, and he begins to wash your feet. See Jesus look you in the eye as he tells you that he has something important to say, and then listen. Hear him say uh, that he's going to be leaving you soon. And where he's going, you can't go. But then he tells you to trust him. Okay, you can open your eyes. In that spot, in that position, if you were one of those 12 disciples, what would you be feeling right there? What do you think? Yeah. Confusion. Confusion. Okay, about what? Yeah. What else? Rejection. Yeah. Aaron. Confusion of why you can't follow where he's going. Yeah. Because up, up to that point, he's basically told you to follow him, right? Yeah. Disappointment. Anything else? How about, how about being scared of what's next? Right? Scared of living life without him. Like, I mean, you just, you gave up everything. And now all of a sudden, he's, he's leaving you. Okay? What's next? Maybe you're upset that, that you gave up everything and you devoted uh, three years of your life to him and, and now he's bailing out on you. Or like you guys said, that you're confused that, that, uh, about why he's acting the way he is. Okay? So, with that understanding, with those kind of emotions and, and that picture around us, let's, kinda, let's, let's enter back into this conversation that Jesus is having. And, uh, and let's read from John chapter 14, starting verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The, word cannot, the, excuse me, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, 
not Judas Iscariot. That's not the one who would betray him. Judas Iscariot is the one who, be, who would betray him. Uh, then Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and, and, we, will come in, uh, and we will come to him and make our home with, with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave you with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Um, So now in that section of scripture, there's evidence uh, of those three truths of the Trinity that we just talked about, okay? But I'm not going to tell you what they are. I'm not going to tell you where they're at. That's something I want you to search for this week. I want you to go back and read that that section, and I want you to find uh, the evidence of those truths, that God exists eternally in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, each, uh, Each person is fully God, and there is one God, okay? It's in there. You can see that relationship in that. And then next week we'll talk about it. Okay? So he's just promised this counselor, this Holy Spirit uh, to the, the, the 12 disciples. Okay? Uh, well, minus Judas Iscariot, who's going to betray him. He's not going to get that. Um, but uh, he's telling the ones who are faithful to him, who are going to follow him, that, that somebody else is coming. Okay? It's the counselor. It's the Holy Spirit. And now we're going we're gonna, to uh, jump over to chapter 16 and, and, and read more about this. But first, before we do that, I want to go to John 15, 5. Okay, so you can kind of flip as we go. Um, but John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, why in the world would Jesus uh, leave the disciples if they can't do anything apart from him? What do you think? Jesus is going to lead the disciples, okay? He tells them that, he, and, and, then, and then all of a sudden he throws this out. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's going to leave, but he just said, apart from him, okay? Without him, they can't do anything. Why would he say that? You just got confused. Okay, yeah, Jackson. Okay. Yeah, any other thoughts? Okay, <laughs> I thought you were going to finish your sentence there. You were, you did. You just had to word it out a little bit. Okay, okay, we're going to see, and we've, we've seen already in chapter 14 that he promises someone else to come take his place, okay? And, and uh, knowing what we know now, back here in the 21st century, now that we have this, and we're actually reading the account, instead of being there in the first person, we see, like Jackson said, that, that God, uh, the Son, 
has promised God the Spirit to the disciples, okay? Um, he's about to die on the cross, and then, and then he's going to rise again three days later. And, and after that, after he rises from the dead, he'll spend a short amount of time appearing to the disciples and, and several others, and then he'll ascend to heaven, and he'll sit down at the right hand of the Father, and then he'll remain there. This is Jesus we're talking about. He'll remain there until he returns to judge the living and the dead, uh, and, and that we don't even know. Like that's, that's, you, the disciples didn't at that point know why Jesus was leaving um, because he hadn't died on the cross yet. And, and now we don't know, even though we have this information, we don't know when Jesus is returning to come and judge us. Okay? So Jesus is about to leave the disciples, and yet he also just told them that without him, they could do nothing. They need him and he's going away. But, but he also says that that's a good thing, okay? Because when he leaves, he's going to send somebody else to take his place, and that someone is the Holy Spirit. Let's read John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. It says, now I'm going to send, I'm going to send him who sent me. No, sorry. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Right now, the disciples are going, they're, they're, they're focused on themselves. They're concerned about, well, he just said he's going to go. He's leaving me, okay? They're not asking him anymore where he's going because they're filled with grief. And, and, and then verse 7, he says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus himself said it's a good thing that he uh, was leaving because it meant that the Holy Spirit would come. And now knowing what we've learned about the, whole, the, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are fully and equally God. So why was it so important then that Jesus would leave and the Holy Spirit would come? Any thoughts? If they're both equally and fully God, does it matter who's, who's where? Yeah. So if Jesus was here physically, wouldn't more people believe because not just him? Because that's like the problem that we're like, he was believing, so they don't actually believe in God. So if Jesus was here, then... That's a great question. I think that's a really good question. Uh, I think um, what we look at Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas. When Jesus... When Jesus um, re- uh, is raised, raised from the dead and he appears to them. Um, he appears to them in the room and Thomas says, he says, unless I see the, the scars in his hands and put my finger in his side, I won't believe. And then Jesus lets him do it, right? And then what does he say? Do you remember? You know? He says, you, 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 you've seen me and you believe. He says, uh, was, help me out. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but uh, blessed are those who, see, who do not see and believe, Right? And over and over and over again, Jesus has done the miracles and all these things, and he has these conversations with the Pharisees about, uh, and they're asking for more. And he's literally standing there right in front of them, right? And he says, you have the proof. You have Moses, you have Jonah, you have all these things, all these signs. You've seen enough, and yet you're not believing. So, if Jesus were here today, 
Do you think that we would believe him? I see a lot of people shaking their head yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our technology today, they would say, oh, we're in it for this and that to help this person. So mm-hmm. it's midday, it's not really, it won't really count as much as back then. That's when there's still people that try to pick out every single thing we're doing and say, what could have happened or what happened. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that if Jesus were here himself today, that there'd be that much greater of an impact than, than it, there was back then. I believe fully that God, uh, God's timing is God's timing, right? And it's not ours, and that that was the exact time. When you think about um, uh, just all the, the developments that were happening in, in the Roman, uh, like with Paul and the Roman uh, road system that was being created back then and developing and, and transportation, you know, growing and the, the gospel was spreading and spreading and spreading with all these new developments, okay? And now we have all this new technology and stuff. And like you said, Aaron, I think sometimes uh, we're pretty skeptical, which to me is ironic because we're skeptical about, I think, the wrong things. And yet I think a lot of people are unwilling to test the right things and to use Scripture to do so, Right? We just choose not to believe it because it doesn't make sense or because or we don't think that's right. But, but uh, without a standard of truth, without the scripture, um, then skepticism, I don't, I don't know that it's really skepticism. I think it's just kind of our own opinion. Okay, But that's kind of a rabbit trail. So um, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. Okay, We talked about this last week just a little bit. We touched on this. And so, like, uh, like um, Jackson was saying, in order, in order to become fully man, okay, Jesus willingly took on some of the limitations that we have as human beings. Um, he, John 4, 6 tells us that Jesus was tired from his journey to Samaria, so, which means that he, he could experience fatigue. Jesus got wore, wore out, okay? He slept at night, just like we sleep at night. Becoming human also meant that Jesus could no longer be everywhere at once. God, one of the attributes of God is that he's uh, omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere all the time at the same time. Okay? Jesus is, was not that is, when he was in uh, this human body. Nowhere in any of the accounts of Jesus' life do we see him being in two places at once as long as he's in the human body. And even after he rose from the dead, when he reappeared to the, the uh, disciples... Uh, like that account in the room there, um, we see that he, the, the doors were locked and suddenly Jesus appeared. Okay? So, so even in his resurrection body, apparently he can, he can walk through walls or, or you know, has the ability to appear, but he's still in that one place at the one time with just that small group of people. Okay? And so he's limited still. Now, in no way does Jesus' human limitations make him any less God. I want to make sure that that's so clear. Okay, because this is one of those things, just like 
all, the, all three of those truths of the Trinity are hard for us to wrap our mind around. It's also hard for us to wrap our mind fully around the fact that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. Because none of us are fully God and fully man. Okay? It's something we'll never really be able to fully understand. Uh, but, and, and just because Jesus is leaving, that doesn't mean that, that what he did while he was on the earth wasn't important. Jesus' purpose on this earth was to provide a way for humans to once again have an intimate relationship with God. Only through the work of Jesus on the cross can we experience salvation. Only through the blood of Jesus are we washed clean from our sin. In John 14, 6, Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? Remember what I said last week? I said that God the Father didn't die on the cross. God the Spirit didn't die on the cross. God the Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He was sent to earth by God the Father to carry out the Father's plan of salvation. And he completed his mission by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. And then the next part of that plan was for the Holy Spirit to come to all those who believe. And unless Jesus left and went back to the Father, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. So it's all part of this plan that God the Father has set in place. And and so... Uh, we see in John 16 that Jesus leaving and the Spirit's coming uh, are, are together part of this plan. Okay? The Father and the Son would then send the Spirit to us and not only to be with us, but listen, here's, this is the crazy part right here. Not only to be with us. Okay? Jesus was with the disciples. God was with the people in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, in the tent, okay? in the temple. But now the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, is not just with us, but in every believer, he's in us. That's huge. It's totally different, okay? He's in us. While Jesus was on this earth, he could only be in one place at one time. He could only be with a a, a few people, um, just like, like we are here, okay? And until, Jesus, uh, and until Jesus returns, he's fulfilled his purposes here on the earth. Okay? He has more purpose left to come back and, and to, to take those who believe with him and to judge the, uh, the, uh, the living and the dead. But now, now that he's gone, now that he's back up into, into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, he has sent the Holy Spirit to continue the mission of restoring the world to a right relationship with God. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, he can be with believers everywhere at the same time. Okay? We just did a, a Body of Christ series uh, in the last month with uh, Eureka Bible Church, and they're over there right now, and, and the Holy Spirit is over there with them at the same time he's here with us. Okay? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that encouraging to know that, that God's truth of the I will never leave you nor forsake you it is so true for the believer because the Holy Spirit is not just with us, but he's in us. So that means everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is there. God's presence is with us. It's in us. Okay? That means that you don't have to close your eyes and try to imagine what it was like to be in the presence of Jesus because if you're a believer, then the presence is now in you through the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3, 13a and 14b says, 
Uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse we were under so that we could receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's no small promise, okay? That's not like, it's not like getting, subbing the B team in for, uh, you know, to give the A team rest, okay? They're both God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both fully God. This is not something that we should overlook. Jesus died to take away the penalty for our sin, but according to this passage in Galatians, uh, uh, that Jesus also died for anyone who puts their trust in him so that they could have the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, like I said, the people of God, um, they needed a tabernacle or, a, or a, uh, before they established the temple, it was a tent okay, that they would take with them and, and, um, uh, and have a dwelling place for God and, and, uh, and it, God's presence would, would be seen in this dwelling place. It would be signified by a pillar of smoke, okay? And, and, and um, this huge curtain, okay, kind of like this, would be in between what was called the holy place and then the holy of holies. And back here behind this curtain was where God's presence dwelt, but out here is where the priest had to stand. Well, actually, the priest could go in there, but first he had to go through a big ritual because, listen, God is holy and people are sinful. And holiness and sin don't mix. And so for... Uh, until Jesus came, there was always something that separated the people from God, some kind of barrier that was in place. Otherwise, the people would die because of their sin. And they, have to, they had to make sacrifices, uh, blood sacrifices, because the Bible says that without the, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And then Jesus came. And he died on the cross, and that curtain, it says, was torn in two. And so now there's no, uh, uh, the, the power of sin and death was broken forever, and now because of what Jesus did on the cross, there is no more barrier between man and God. Anyone who puts their trust in him no longer needs a tabernacle or, or a temple. You no longer have to, to look for a pillar of smoke for God's presence because God's presence is in you, in the Holy Spirit. This is so cool, okay? Our bodies, our bodies that were once a dwelling place for sin because of Jesus are now a dwelling place for God himself. How amazing is that? I can't fully wrap my head around that right now. And I'm going I'm to just keep wrestling with that. I'm, uh, uh, hopefully together with some people, but, but on my own too. But listen, if you're a believer in here, your body that was once a house for sin, that was once a dwelling place for sin, is now a dwelling place for God. When he looks at you, he sees the covering of Jesus' blood over you, and he says, I want to live there. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's an amazing gift. Okay, But this gift, it's not for our own pleasure. It's not uh, just because we, we have become the dwelling place of God. That doesn't mean that we can direct the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we get to keep our lives and, and just kind of let him take residence. It's not like having a house guest, okay? You can't go and tell God, well, as long as you live under my roof, you got to live by my rules, right? Any of your parents ever said that to you? Anybody? Yeah. 
No, the, the Spirit is here with us to accomplish God's purposes, not ours. And when we, uh, when we surrender to Christ, we are opening our entire life up, our entire self up, to be uh, overtaken by the Holy Spirit. And we surrender to Him daily. And we let Him direct us. We don't even... We don't let him direct us. We, we've given up that right. We've, we've surrendered that to him, and he directs us. The Spirit is here to lead us toward holiness, to make us look more like Jesus. And so for the rest of our series, we're going to spend time looking at how the Spirit does that. Last week, we, we had a, uh, talked about uh, who the Holy Spirit is, and, and we needed to understand what the Holy Trinity is in order to understand who the Holy Spirit is. This week we talked about um, the importance of, of Jesus, Jesus needing to leave so that we could get the Holy Spirit. And now as believers, now that we have the Holy Spirit, well, how does he make me look more like Jesus? How does he um, dwell in me and, and, and uh, uh, continue to help me to sin less and less and less and less? And help me to produce or to bear fruit that only he can produce in my life. Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? So for the rest of the, of the series, we're going we're gonna to talk about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Because it's important. If we don't understand that, then we're missing out uh, on really our purpose in living this life on earth. Okay? If you're a believer in here tonight, then the Holy Spirit of God, God the Spirit, dwells, lives, has taken up residence, not just next to you, not just with you, but in you. What a powerful thing to, to grab onto and to, and to wrap your mind and your heart and your soul and your strength around and to live your life in thankfulness because of that. That's why Jesus said it's better for him to go and the Spirit to come. Let's pray. God, thank you that you give the, the Spirit to every believer. Thank you that, um, uh, that, that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we've um, been set free from the, the penalty of sin and death, that, that that's been paid for us, and that for any that, that put their trust in Him, um, the power of sin and death uh, is broken because the power of the Holy Spirit now dwells inside us and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit dwells inside us. And thank you that one day, God, that um, the presence itself of sin will, will be gone from us. That it was good that Jesus left so that we could have the Holy Spirit, but one day sin itself will leave and we'll leave it behind and we will uh, enter into your kingdom to be with you, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, for all eternity, bringing you glory and honor and praise, intimately growing in our relationship with you. God, would you help us? Spirit, would you help us? Would you open your word up to us? Would you make it clear to us uh, in the ways that we can understand it? Would you reveal your mysteries to us? I know we're not going to understand everything because you're God and we're not, and I'm okay with that. But God, would you show us things 
Spirit, would you show us things that deepen our faith, that deepen our, our trust in you, and that we would wrestle things together for the sake of your name and for your glory. God, I'm excited about uh, the fact that you chose me, that you chose uh, those of us in here that have put our trust in you, that you chose us to, uh, to be dwelling places for yourself. I don't, I don't fully understand that, God. I, don't, I think if I did, I might be a little crazy right now, bouncing up and down and, and just with sheer excitement. But God, would you, would you continue to reveal that more and more of what that means to us as we go through the rest of the series and as we, um, as we open up your word, as we examine the scriptures daily, as we receive with eagerness the message that you've given to us. And we do it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.